Faith Fit Radio and the Diocese of Orlando presents Fools for Christ with Kimmy Zeiler and Dan Boyd, a program that is seeking to lead young adults to Christ and to enkindle a deeper faith that is fully alive. Now, here are your hosts. Today we're talking about mission. And what it means to, to be sent out. And we chose this topic for today, uh, coming from Pope Francis's The Joy of the Gospel, Evangelium Gaudii, because every Christian, by virtue of their baptism, needs to go out on mission. Uh, This is not just the chosen job of those who are called missionaries. It's not the lucky few who get to do this. This is everybody. This is parents who stay at home. This is high schoolers. This is people who are retired. It's priests. It's Everyone, we are all called to share the gospel, to go out into the highways and byways. And we're also talking about this because two weeks ago, uh, Daniel was on a mission trip. That's right. To the Dominican Republic. Yeah, I took 13 of my students to the Dominican Republic and helped them understand what it means to spread the faith and to, to be missionaries of charity and to, uh, to give bread to the hungry and, and drink to the thirsty. So let's dive into this. Sure. So as our framework, we're going to be using Pope Francis's three movements of mission, go out, see, and call. And so we're going to be using what has been given to us. It's basically a preparatory document for the upcoming Synod of Bishops in 2018. And there's one section that's on these three movements is called walking with young people but several months prior he had actually given pretty much this address to vocations directors um, and so that was at the international conference on vocational pastoral care and so our vocations director here in the diocese of orlando father jorge torres was actually at that meeting and sent me a an unofficial translation of what that address was. And so it's basically what we have here in this preparatory document. It's really exciting to know that this came from directly from Pope Francis and then was incorporated into this this awesome document. Yeah, so this isn't just Dan and Kimmy saying like, hey, we have some thoughts on, on evangelization <laughs> and mission work. No, this is coming from the Holy Father himself and his own thoughts and ponderings on what it means uh, to bear the light of Christ to those in darkness. And really, this, this all stems from, uh, in, in the words of Pope Francis, knowing what it is to be found and healed, to be encountered and forgiven by Christ, and essentially having this treasure that's worth sharing. Uh, there's a, an atheist magician comedian, Penn Gillette, and something he said really stuck with me, and I don't think I'll ever forget it, and it's that he has no respect for Christians who don't evangelize, who don't share what they believe. Mm. And I, I can totally agree with him, and it uh, convicts me a little bit, because if what I have is so great, if it's really the truth, why don't I tell people about it more often? Mm. I mean, if I know a good restaurant, if I know a good movie, <laughs> I'm very happy to tell everybody about it. And is my relationship with God not better than any movie in any restaurant? Yeah. So, and yeah. it, if it's not, then that I really have to look into my own heart and say, like, why do I not take my faith more seriously? Yeah. Well, and that echoes what Pope Francis said in Evangelii Gaudium. He said that by virtue of their baptism, all members of the people of God have become missionary disciples. And so all the baptized 
whatever their position in the church or their level of instruction of the faith, are agents of evangelization or are agents of that missionary life. Yeah, agents is a is a good word there. I mean, this is not not a passive thing. It's entirely active, and this means uh, we take responsibility of this. Into the word mission uh, comes from word meaning to to send or to be sent, mm-hmm. and so. Simply all this means is we have been sent out. We have heard the good news, and we have been commissioned, if you will, sent out uh, to bring people back to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and as to kind of paraphrase the words of St. Paul, woe to, to us if we do not preach the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's take a look at uh, first Pope Francis's invitation to the three movements. And one of the things that seems very clear is this is first a personal approach. This is um, not formulaic. This is not cookie cutter. Uh, we're not opening a, a pamphlet and saying, okay, this is step one, this is step two. <laughs> Rather, it's uh, it's being reacquainted with the smell of the sheep and going out there, not, mm-hmm. not waiting for people to come to us, but jumping into the deep end, so to speak, and inviting people in and really finding a missionary approach that's unique for every single person we encounter and not one that, that we say, okay, well, if uh, I have to do it this way, and if I don't do it this way, then the problem must be with them and not with me. Uh, is that when I was in the classroom, I realized if my students aren't learning, it's not because there's a problem with them. It's because there's a problem with me, mm-hmm. and I have to change the way I'm teaching. And I, I think the Holy Father is saying we need to take missionary work the same way. Yeah. And I've often heard it said that there's no mathematical equation. There's no silver bullet in how to do this. But I do think in some ways there is. Because the one who saves us is Jesus Christ. Yeah. And so as simple as as that seems, we just have to look at how did Jesus do this? Because Jesus is the one who did this the best. And so if there's any kind of silver bullet (laughs) or equation or pamphlet, it would be looking at how did Jesus do it? How do I replicate that in a way that is authentic to each person I encounter? And and so that's what I think Pope Francis has been doing with this. This really echoes some of the stories of the gospel that we'll be tying in. and, And it shows us the way that Jesus went out on mission. Yeah, and they, so to start with, uh, Pope Francis's first step is going out, and that's what Jesus did. He he went into the world to encounter people. Um, he didn't wait back and say, okay, let me let all of these, these silly little human beings come to me. He went out into their lives, into, into the mess at times, into uh, unclean, unfriendly situations, um, and there met his people. Yeah. And so the going out, that first, first movement explained by Pope Francis, he says it's, you abandon the rigid attitudes. And so it's like this leaving behind of all the things that hold you back and hold back the message from being spread um, and stepping out, going out, getting out of the boat. <laughs> walking on that water, you know? Yeah. And this is, so, yeah, I don't, and I don't think he's saying that we are, we're breaking with, with any church tradition or the way that the church has been doing this. Yes. But only rather that uh, in every day and age, 
the church meets the needs of the people and mm-hmm. we become all things to all people so that we might win some for Christ and bring some to the church. And how easy is it sometimes when we're doing ministry, we've been doing ministry for a long time, to think, well, this is how I did it before. And I think those are the kind of rigid attitudes he's talking about. So this is how I did it before. This worked before. So I'm just going to keep doing it this way. Right. But instead what he's saying is, no, that kind of attitude is what you need to leave behind because each person you encounter is going to be different. Right. And so you need to go out. You need to step out from what whatever you might have been doing, whatever society is saying, whatever, whatever's holding back my message from being shared. Yeah. Even if, if you were, you feel like you were evangelized very successfully as a high schooler or a young adult, uh, that might be different depending on who you're working with now. So if you had a, a really great experience in your youth ministry or your campus ministry at college, what worked for you might not be what's going to work for high schoolers that you're working with now or college students you're going to, that you're going to work with now. You have to find a way to engage their culture because their culture is not your own. Um, and it's just a, even if it's only a little different, if you've been out of college for a few years, the world has changed. And uh, we have to find a new way to, to engage the world they live in uh, and allow the gospel to touch and transform their lives rather than bring them into our own worldview. Yes, that's key, rather than bringing them into their own worldview. Because he says that it means leaving behind that which makes people feel hemmed in. So those things that make us feel trapped in in one space, in one thought, like blinders on us. Um, and that, that reminds me of what we talk about in Theology of the Body, the ethos of recognizing the desires of our hearts and having that lead us to follow the commandments rather than following the commandments just because they're rules. Right. But rather desiring to do the good and live the good rather than just knowing the good and then following it because it's what's said. Yeah, and you are you are most free when uh, you desire to do the good, not because the rule tells you to, but because you recognize it makes you happiest. When you recognize that it is in loving your neighbor and in not punching your neighbor that you <laughs> satisfy the, the desire of your heart to love uh, and and help others, um, rather than just suppressing a desire to harm others because you know it's sinful. Um, and, uh, I love one of the things Pope Francis said here, that uh, we need to invite people to, invite young people to almost become the, the protagonist of their own life. Uh, in his words, evangelize so that young people can be leading characters or protagonists in their own lives and not feel as though they're following a script, not feel as though they are they're living somebody else's life. but living the life that God intended them to live. Mm -hmm. Really, uh, the adventure of being the man or woman that God is calling them to, Mm -hmm. uh, which is the most liberating thing and the most fulfilling thing to to enter into that relationship with God uh, and do uh, live your life in the way that he's calling you to, um, not because anybody else has suggested that this is what you should do or or because this is the social script, but uh, because you are... embarking on an adventure with the Lord. And then that results in a unique contribution that you have to make, that the person that you're encountering has to make into our community. Right. There's Nobody can be Kimmy Zeiler except Kimmy Zeiler. And uh, try as I might, I can't do for the world what you can, uh, and vice versa. Only, only Dan Boyd can be Dan Boyd. Yeah. Uh, I can't climb buildings like you can. Right. No, and I can't fly like you can. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, you literally climbed the building of our apartment one time. It's like a vivid memory oh, I have I of you yeah. in college. <laughs> but, um, but yes, that's all joking aside. It's it's very real. We can't we can only be ourselves to the world. We can't be someone else. Um, and everyone is meant to be a saint, called to be a saint. But you're not called to be Blessed Mother Teresa. You're called to be Saint Dan Boyd. Yeah. And it's in it's in becoming Saint Dan Boyd and not becoming Saint Mother Teresa that I will find fulfillment and I will find the joy that the Lord has in store for me. Yeah. In fact, we have a friend from college who we we watched experience that transformation. Yeah, um, her name was Beth Burwell, and she's now Sister Bethany Madonna with the Servants of the Pierce. Nope, she's with the Sisters of Sisters Life. Of Life. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> and she just was able to discern in college that she was called to the religious life. And it was really beautiful to walk that with her. And she was so open with the women's group that we had at that time about the different struggles that she was encountering and the different questions that she had as she was making these decisions. And as she was feeling called out into this community and feeling like she had to leave behind so much. Um, And as scary as that may have been, Looking back now and seeing her now, she is so much more herself. And it's a beautiful transformation to see. Right. And she was never not herself, but it's only that the um, the Lord didn't take anything away from her. When he called her and said, hey, leave everything behind and follow me, there, there was probably at least a little bit of fear there that she would be leaving aside or leaving behind something essential, mm-hmm. not only to her happiness, but to her person, to who she is. Yeah. Because so much of, of your friend circle and your, your life helps form your identity. And instead, she accepted the invitation to let her identity be completely rooted in Christ. Yeah. And in, in doing that, she is so full of joy and so full of happiness and so herself. She is. Uh, that anybody who sees her doesn't, there's no... There's no shame. There's no self-loathing of any sort. It's simply peace that she is a daughter of the Lord and the, and the bride of Christ. So mm-hmm. it's great to have a friend like that. She <laughs> reminds me of what I'm supposed to do. Um, yeah, she's quickly uh, reaching celebrity, Catholic celebrity status. She's yeah. now an international speaker and, I think and her, everything. Her last video from the Sikh conference has about 100,000 views now. Are you serious? Yeah, so she's getting up there. It was really good. Yeah. So, uh, in between, or not in between, but the next step after going out is seeing. Uh, and what I think of here is the, the way that Christ engaged his friends. Mm-hmm. And he didn't have a formulaic approach. He didn't say, okay, everybody come Wednesday night at 6 p.m. I'm going to be giving <laughs> a, a discussion or I'm going to be giving a lecture. So I want you to come and listen, and then I'll have some discussion questions afterward, and then you can write an essay. But rather, he goes into their life, and he meets them in their need. He meets them where their their joys and their hopes and their sadness intersect. So to think of Lazarus and Mary and Martha, and to, to go to the sisters after their brother died, and not to say, oh, have faith and don't worry at all, because you'll see him in heaven, but he... He saw into their sadness. He saw into their pain and their hurt and met them there. And it was, uh, there was no impatience for their conversion, but simply loving Mary and Martha in the moment, loving Lazarus in the moment and allowing that 
to help them recognize their need for a savior. Uh, and the, one of the challenges for me, kind of in between the first step going out and the second step seeing, being willing to see into people's life, yeah. is the fear of rejection. Uh, <laughs> even in my own job, I, it's much more comfortable to sit in the campus ministry center and say, yeah. well, I can't wait for students to come to me. I hope I see a new face. Uh, but in reality, if I can walk 100 or 200 feet and encounter students who I've never talked with before, and mm. it's simply being willing to go out and risking rejection, risking saying, no, I'm not interested in what you have to say. I'm not interested in, in you. Yeah. Um, but I, if I'm not willing to do that, then I'm not willing to bring Jesus to somebody. And I'm saying my fear of rejection is more important than this person receiving the gospel. And how often do we do that when we're at an event or something? You know, a birthday party, a, a gathering, a gala. Like, we stick to our friend group and we don't... I mean, some people are very, very extroverted. I am personally not. But it, it takes that very intentional effort on my part to say, no, I'm, I'm going to go out and I'm going to meet these other people regardless of what what happens, of that rejection, of what whatever that may be, and encounter them and just go out and see. Just appreciate their company as is and not... Um, I mean, I think when we think about being missionaries, we think about going out and changing other people. And that's not, that's very much not what he's talking about no, with no, these two steps. This is going out and just seeing them and just appreciating them. I think that's a good word for seeing and appreciating, appreciating the person that is there. Yeah. And to, to anybody listening who's thinking like, well, isn't this too passive? Isn't this too much <laughs> of a kind of like a wimpy approach? Like, oh, all I have to do to satisfy the demands of preaching the gospel is go listen to somebody. We're not just, we are not suggesting that the only thing we have to do is go listen to how somebody's day was. Uh, but to, I'll read another line from, from Pope Francis here. The seeing into somebody's lives. This is the true look of discernment, which does not want to take possession of another's conscience, nor predetermine the path of God's grace. And this is to say that uh, our job is not to make a decision for our friends, not to make a decision for the rest of the world but to introduce them to Christ. Mm -hmm. And we do this by first listening to them, establishing trust. And then if we ourselves have encountered Christ, then we can help this person encounter Christ. And they make the decision. We, if you make a decision for somebody else to become a Christian, they have not actually become a Christian. <laughs> they have become a follower of you. And St. Paul uh, counsels against this. He says, you are not an apostle of Paul, of Peter, of Apollo. Mm -hmm. you, are, you are a disciple of Christ. You are a follower of Christ. And th that necessitates freedom. You have to be free in your choice, which means I, as, as difficult as it is, I have to be willing to say, I can't make the decision for this student. I can't yeah. make the decision for my friend, my, my spouse, my child. They make that decision for themselves. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, they have not actually accepted the relationship with God. Yeah. And I think of just the different circumstances I've been in with friends of seeing the way that things are kind of playing out in their life and thinking, you know, if you just did it this way, things would be so much easier for you. You'd be so much happier. And I just want your well-being and goodness. And I want you to experience joy. But I can't, 
I mean, I can help show them that. I can help lead them to the door, right? But I can't make that decision for them. And so what I basically have to do is sit there with them and listen to them as they think through that and make sure that they're looking at every angle and just walk with them. Just see the way that they're doing and choosing their path. Yeah. And they they may well know what they're supposed to do. (laughs) They just don't feel like doing it. And they... If you push against that door, they might just hold it shut all the tighter. But if instead we show them that we're willing to listen, we care, we're concerned, Mm -hmm. they might begin to open the door and not only let you in, but let the Lord in as well. And he's the one who can begin the conversion, not not us. Right. I have to remember, because I I have an issue with pride, as do most people I imagine, (laughs) that salvation doesn't come from me. It's not. Salvation does not stem from Daniel Boyd, but only from Jesus Christ. And he's the one who's going to begin the process of salvation. And no matter how much I love someone, I'm not their savior. Yeah, that's actually something I read every week in just preparing myself for the days of, of work and ministry that I'm doing. Um, I, I read that line, um, it's not about me, I am not the Messiah. <laughs> that's, yeah. As I'm looking at my priorities for the week, yeah. it's not about me. Lord, what is it that you want? Yeah. You know. Yeah. But what we're talking about reminds me of a quote from Thomas Merton, and it is, The beginning of love is to let those we love be perfectly themselves. Otherwise, we only love the reflection of ourselves we find in them. And so that seeing is about actually loving the other person as they are rather than loving what we see of ourselves in them. Because that's, that isn't love. That's only selfishness. That self-love, it's narcissism. Yeah, no, it's, it's saying like, hey, you would be a lot better if you're like me because we <laughs> like thinking about ourselves a whole lot. Yeah. Instead of, as you said, recognizing the good of the others and allowing them to, to be themselves. That's that's kind of a tough pill to swallow. Because <laughs> I think we probably all try to make people a little bit more like us when we suggest that they change. As you said, you know, we see friends struggling and we think, that's not how I would do it. You mm-hmm. should do it like me. Well, we have our own issues as well. And we're, yeah. We don't make the. We are not perfect, and uh, if we try to make other people like us, then there would just be more people with our problems. Mm-hmm. Well, and this is also all about building trust. And so, just relating this, if if our listeners have heard anything about forming intentional disciples by Sherry Weddle, the first step is building that trust relationship with someone before that conversion can happen. And so, really, that's what that's what this is about. It's that going out to them and then seeing them and building that trust. Yeah. Is the, I think we can see this very clearly if we look at just the way Jesus discipled people. He didn't initially just approach a a tax collector or a sinner and say, Hey, time to repent, time to get baptized, time to be a Christian. But Rather, he would enter their home. He would be with them mm-hmm. so that they could see there's no there's no condemnation. There's not a desire to use. There's no manipulation here. This is simply someone who, who loves me, wants me to be happy, mm-hmm. wants me to experience the joy of salvation. And it's then that that door to their heart will open and they would be willing to, to at least be open to an encounter with the Lord. Yeah, yeah. And th- once we reach that point, then we, we get... Pope Francis's third step, calling. Uh, yes. So this this is those times when Jesus calls people to to consider something different, to enter into a new life. And the, the words of Pope Francis, um, 
Jesus' look of love is transformed into a word that is a call to newness of life, which is to be accepted, explored, and built up. And this is that action point that you've probably been waiting for. This is when you've gone out, you've seen, now this is the doing. And, and it, the, it says it's awakening a desire. Yeah, this is, uh, I, I use the image of people kind of stumbling about in a fog. Yeah. And uh, the encounter with Christ, the call, w once you recognize the, the newness of the gospel in the light of Christ, it's as if scales fall from your eyes and you mm -hmm. can see the world differently. And so it's an invitation to say, you know what it's, now you know what it's like to see in, in the light, to mm -hmm. not see through shadows, to not be uh, blinded, but rather, you know the joys of life, you know the goodness. Um, do you want to accept that? And mm -hmm. so kind of jumping back to the scene and, and we can't take possession of another person's conscience or their, their will. We simply invite and we say, hey, this is a new life. If you want it, it's here. And hopefully they, they accept that invitation. Um, even, even Jesus didn't have a perfect track record, so mm. we can't get too frustrated if we don't. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So on, on my recent mission trip, these three steps were, uh, were very easy to see. And mm -hmm. it's a little bit different in that the students who we bring, their mission is the people of the schools where we're working. So they go into schools mm -hmm. and they teach English and they spend time with these students and they love them and they, so you could say, they go out into a foreign country, into a foreign environment, they see into the lives of these children, they learn who they are, they learn their fears, and they show them that they care. Yeah. And then they call them to do something different, to live differently. Mm. The chaperones, however, especially uh, the employees from Campus Ministry, our mission is our students. Our job is, mm. I mean, once, uh, for the first part, keeping them safe and making sure <laughs> we bring them home. But yes. uh, also, we evangelize them and we try to invite them into a deeper relationship with God. And so the first thing, is we go out, I leave the, the comfort of, of my job, my office, the mm -hmm. school. I'm, you know, I, I live with these students, I travel with them, I'm, I'm around them 18, 19 hours a day. Mm -hmm. uh, they see me, they see my shortcomings, uh, and I'm able to, to see them, to see what makes them happy, what makes them sad, what are they afraid of. Uh, and in, in those first two steps, the students and I begin to establish this mutual trust where they recognize mm -hmm. this guy, like the church guy, the Jesus guy at school, <laughs> he's, not a, he's not a cardboard cutout, he's not flat. He right. doesn't just want me to, to put a cross around my, my neck and say, yes, I, I do this, so now I get to go to heaven. Um, but hopefully, by the end of the week, they, they see, I really, really care about them. What's important to them is important to me. I want them to go to heaven, and while they're on earth, I want them to have that freedom of being the true, uh, the true self, being who God called them to be. And they respond. I mean, they, the students say things like, "I never knew I could be this happy." Mm. And they, when when students look up to them, when the little children who were teaching look up to their high school teachers and say, "I want to be like you." that just causes the kids to melt. They, mm. they recognize that there's something so much more beautiful in life than living for oneself, mm -hmm. uh, that is living an authentic love for others. 
Yeah. And then the, the calling is to say to the students, look, you've, you've been awakened. You know what it is to follow Christ a little bit more closely. So when yeah. we return, you can drift back into the fog and walk as if this is and walk as if Jesus doesn't make a difference mm-hmm. or you can live differently mm-hmm. and thanks be to God <laughs> uh, the students nearly always say no I want to live differently help me do that so mm-hmm. and that's when that discussion can happen and yeah absolutely coming back to school and that continuing to walk with continuing to go out and continuing to see because it doesn't just stop after that after you get to that final step those first two steps don't stop. Those first no. two movements don't stop. Yeah. We're continuously flowing through all three. Right. right? Yeah, because we're ne- we have, we've never arrived. We're never perfectly holy. So there's this constant need for renewal, deeper conversion, and calling again to a renewed understanding of the gospel. Hmm. So. Well, it sounds like you had a great trip. I did. I can't wait to go again. Bring a new group of students. <laughs> wow. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you very much for listening. And... We look forward to talking to you on the next show, which will be on... Valentine's Day. So we're going to have a good one for you. (laughs) Until then, God bless you all. Thank you very much. Have a blessed week. Amen. Bye, everybody. Faith Fit Radio and the Diocese of Orlando presented Fools for Christ with Kimmy Zeiler and Dan Boyd. Thank you for listening. Check out the podcast at faithfitradio.org and tune in next time. May you be blessed with peace and joy.